tennis talk with me, Sue Fell, and with you, Sophia Miak. And you can probably tell because by the wonders of modern technology, Sophie's in Greece on a very, very, very well-deserved vacation after a very grueling clay court season, and I've been away as well. And I'm back in London, so we're recording for the first time away from each other. So heaven only knows how this is going to go over the next 20 minutes or so. But I think it's going to be a triumph. So what do you think? Well, we'll find out. Um, and we are really <laughs> apologizing already if if the sound is not really great. But uh, we try our best to uh, provide something yeah, of fun. We, we will. And let's talk about the French Open, because I know you are absolutely dying to go on about your pick ash Barty. go on have your five minutes let's go well you know how modest i am right oh totally totally <laughs> all right i know i know but if you listen to our last podcast the number six the 2019 roland garros preview and you go to about 15 mm-hmm. minutes and 50 seconds and listen to the remaining of the podcast well yes <laughs> yes i say yes i called ashley Barty as the winner when you, when you say about 15 minutes and 50 seconds, is that approximate or could you be a little more precise? No, it's actually pretty much what you have to listen to because it actually builds up to me picking Ashley Barty. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and I'm so proud of it. Anyhow, yeah. okay, okay. And she was amazing, wasn't she? What yes. an amazing open she had and what a phenomenal tournament it turned out to be. The one thing we, got, we both got right, Soph, was how open it turned out to be. You would never have picked those four semi-finalists, would you? Never, never in a, in a lifetime. And I think, you know, most people didn't. I mean, it was so open. And we'll talk about Ashley Barty at the end. But let's start with, uh, mm. you know, the number one player in the world, Osaka, losing to uh, Sinyakova. That was in mm. two tough rounds before she got to Sinyakova against Smidlova and Azarenka. Azarenka who had, I think, set points along the way, but uh, very tough round. And then against Sinyakova, she just folded uh, four and two. Much... Uh, much to my disarray in a way, but I was not surprised. I mean, because we saw what she did in Rome and in Madrid, and there wasn't really uh, in Madrid she had to pull out with a, a thumb injury. But Rome just wasn't there. I mean, you could tell that she's just not conf- comfortable yet on that red clay, I think. It's still baby steps on clay in general for Osaka, but you get the feeling she'll get there. Not necessarily next year, maybe not the year after, but at some stage you feel like she will get there. Yeah, I agree with you, and I think she's going to get used to the condition. I think she's going to be kind of like a Serena uh, with regarding of how many she's going to win on the clay. You know, I think it's not her favorite surface. That's not where she's going to be as brilliant as uh, she can be. But she will win it once, I think, without a doubt. So that would be my pick. Other than that, talking about Serena, how about her losing mm. to uh, to Kinnan? I mean, uh, I watched. I actually called that match, and Kinnan played unbelievable. Just the depth. Uh, they had to stop with the rain, I think, at some point, and uh, I think they came back the next day. But you know, Serena to me, not very convincing. Uh, and why did she play in She's- Paris, really? She's not playing enough tennis, and I think she, even she is beginning to, to realise that it, because the strength and depth is so big now in women's tennis. You you, you can't, given her uh, phenomenal talents, and they are, you, she can't necessarily expect her to come in as undercooked as maybe she has in years gone by and, and 
go deep and kind of get her momentum that way. There are too many good players lurking in the draw, ready to take her down at, at the very early stages, I think. Anyway, what, what do you think? Yeah, she almost didn't make it through the first round. I mean, she was pushed in three sets and, you know, came through that one. But uh, And then against Nara in the second round, it was a bit easier, although they were at 3-all and very tight match at 3-all in the first. They did call that one as well. Um, and Kennan just was too strong. But I don't really think that schedule-wise, I mean, for Serena to play on clay, and uh, I think it would have been best for her to not play, skip the clay, um, get in better shape, uh, play one tournament before Wimbledon, probably not Eastbourne, but Mallorca, for example, to be ensured to get some great weather and feel the grass, and then a week maybe practice in London before Wimbledon. I think, to me, she's uh, so much more, uh, you know, percentage-wise, I mean, the percentage of her winning the French versus Wimbledon are so low. So I would go totally and put all my, you know, all my chips towards the grass. Mm. What about Simona Halep? I mean, uh, it, it seems she was tiptoeing through the draw very nicely indeed. And then she came up against Amanda Anisimova, who was just inspired all fortnight. Yeah. And she just didn't seem to have it there, did she? No, I didn't think, you know, Halep, the first round against Tomljanovic was very tough in three sets already against Serenko, against uh, uh, Lynette was three sets also. It was against Serenko, who was completely hurt, by the way, and injured. So she was able to come through that one. But uh, against Switek, Switek, who was a young kid who got on court Philip Chatrier didn't really know where she was, couldn't really find the court. I mean, lost 6-1, 6 love. That was the best match of Halep, probably, of the tournament. But just this young, young and absolutely amazing Anisimova took her down and gave her a clinic, 2-4. and four. Uh, Nothing much to say. I mean, that kid, Anisimova, was absolutely amazing in this tournament. I think she's won the highlight with Vondrusova, um, without a doubt. And, you know, Anisimova against... Uh, Barty was a, a set and three love. Um, so yeah. that was telling of how good she was playing. And she's going to be, to me, the next, you know, top 10 within a year to a year and a half and winning many Grand Slams if she stays, you know, off of injuries. Yeah, you feel, given her age, still in her teens and with so much more to add to an already outstanding game, you feel it's not a question of if she wins a major, but how many she wins over the course of her career if she stays injury-free yeah and the other thing is you know i met i met them because i was staying in the same place and i met her and her mother and they're so sweet people so down to earth like very polite uh and the kid you know i saw the mother the day that she lost against barty and the mother was she said oh i can't take it anymore she's been crying for like three hours non-stop and i said listen there are reason for her to cry i mean she's done great but She's a champion. She hates to lose, and it's a it's a good trademark. And let her cry, and they'll, she'll get over it. And if she cries that way, I mean, she cares that way. I mean, she's going to be one of the best out there because, you know, she knew she had a chance in that match. She just folded because of I think her young age. Mm. It was an opportunity perhaps missed. Uh, we'll talk about one or two other players that caught your eye in just a second, but. Uh, speaking of an opportunity missed, I can't help but think of Johanna Conta, who had a wonderful chance to make it through to the final in Roland Garros against Marketa Vondrasova. She had set point chances. Well, she served for both sets, didn't she? she? She had set point chances in the first, served for the second as well, and it just wasn't quite there in the way it had been 
in the previous five matches where she was exceptional, I thought. What did you think? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, for her to achieve what she did on, on clay for the first time playing that well, I mean, she had lost, she has never won, you know, a round in Roland Garros, never won a round in the French Open, you know, gets mm. to gets to the semifinal. Yes, maybe a, maybe a chance that she missed out to, uh, to close that match and uh, maybe she ran out of gas also with what she had done since Rabat getting to the final there against Sakari get it to the final in Rome uh, I think you know that was a lot of tennis and you know mentally you know at some point they're all human and uh, uh, it's you know for her to put all these matches together after not really playing that great and not doing much since winning Miami a couple of years ago I mean I'm, I'm impressed yes she could have gone to the final but uh, I have to tip my hat to her I think she's back to where she wants to be and being closer to get to the top 10 again she's 18 now after the French and you know doesn't have much points to defend I mean she has uh, only a final in Nottingham and then the rest you know it's all free uh, freebie for Eastbourne and Wimbledon for her so I think she's probably yeah. looking forward to that I think she was, she was second round in Wimbledon last year. Yeah. I mean, we are the thing that struck me about her French Open run. So the thing that I I thought immediately, when the dust settles and you analyse how good the fortnight was for her, I did think that it sets her up magnificently for Wimbledon with all the matches she's won and all the confidence she's gotten from the players that she's beaten along the way. Sloane Stevens being one of them. Um, I just think it puts her in a fantastic place for SW19. What do you think? I, I totally agree. I mean, now it's to find out if, if she recovers. You know, that's a lot of matches that she's played, uh, you know, in the last month and a half. So can she recover and be really physically fit to um, compete, you know, on the grass with the pressure of being at home in Eastbourne and then on, you know, on the... British soil in Wimbledon. I think that's that's how she's going to deal with that and how she's going to manage the pressure. That's pretty much it. Let's tidy up some of the other players who had interesting French Open campaigns. Let's start with Sloane Stephens. She was knocked out by by Conta. Um, considering what she did 12 months ago, just over now at the French, how do you think she will assess her French Open of 2019? Well, I hope she's disappointed. Because if she's not, then she doesn't care enough for the game. I hope she's disappointed and she's going to somehow look at herself in the mirror and say, okay, this is not working. And I, I, I don't know if, you know, Grunfeld, Sven, who is working with her, who I know is a total perfectionist and so uh, really inclined for players to be coached uh, with him and putting a lot of emphasis on fitness. And I really think that Sloane Stevens, I keep saying it, is not uh, to the fitness level of her game requires. And uh, she gets away with it because she's so talented, because she moves very well, because she's such a great athlete. But I think that she needs to be in better shape to be able to go the distance and uh, to win, you know, majors. I mean, she's got one, but I still think that she could win several if she was in better shape. What about Gabini Muguruza, one of the players she took out in round four along the way to the quarterfinals for Sloane Stephens? She was showing flashes, wasn't she, Muguruza, of the old Muguruza, but then it just slipped away again. Yeah, I mean, until you know, and, until she she played Stephens, she was playing some brilliant tennis, Muguruza. But it's always like that. It's like, okay, can she last seven matches? She's done it twice. 
French Open as well as uh, Wimbledon. But, you know, it, it gets tougher when the depth is, is getting uh, bigger and harder in women's tennis. There are so many players and uh, is the depth even more than it was? I think it is today. So that means you have, you have stronger matches, you know, as you go early in the, in the draws and majors. Um, and I think Stevens played a great match against Muguruza. So, you know, it's it's not like Muguruza played awful, but she didn't play to the level that she played in her opening matches. And I think Muguruza doesn't look happy. I keep saying it. I mean, she she's such a stress ball. And to win a major, you have to deal with the whole 14 days and the pressure and the press and the demand and the weather. Oh, we'll talk about that later. <laughs> Yeah. Um, so I think it's, you know, it, it, all together, you have to have people who have somewhat more balance and more even kill that can go all the way to the end. And, um, you know, if you look at all these players who were in the semifinals and finals, they all were like that throughout the tournament. I mean, yeah. Ash Barty is, you know, the example of all. Uh, Anisimova, you know, young, a little bit not as mature, so didn't feel like as much pressure, so did Vondrusova. Uh, and Kanta was pretty even kill, and that's that's who she is, that's her personality. Mm. Well, talk about Karolina Pliskova. Uh, she was, I think, uh, at the end of the podcast we did previously, looking ahead to the front, she was my pick. I couldn't decide between her and Kiki Bertens. In the end, Kiki had to withdraw. That was just unlucky with, with the gastro illness. But Pliskova played really well, but she just found... Uh, an inspired Petra Martic on the day, didn't she? Yeah, I mean, Petra Martic was the outsider for sure in this tournament. I think against Vondrasova, she really missed out on a lot of opportunity. But going back to Pliskova, just so tough to play somebody like Martic, you know, at this stage of the competition. It would have been good to play her maybe in the quarters. But, um, you know, just after a run in Rome, I think that was a pretty good run, considering that she's not quite the exact player for for clay. Um, but, uh, you know, then, you know, going on to Petra Martic, I mean, that match against Vondrusova, she had a lot of opportunity missed. Uh, she, uh, you know, she really did give a clinic to Pliskova in her, in her past round at 6-3, 6-3. That was pretty amazing. You almost felt like one player was playing on clay, the other one was still playing on hardcore, to tell you the truth. Uh, but, you know, then, you know, Martic against Vondrusova, three set points, um, in the first and couldn't do anything, then went to a tiebreak. She was up in the first set as well, went to a tiebreak, couldn't even bear to play the tiebreak, lost 7-1. She mentally was affected. And I think she needed Sandra Zavuska to come on the court, you know, for coaching. Unfortunately, can't get her in the, in the <laughs> major. They've had some great exchanges this year, haven't they? And oh, yeah. And her coach has been a star because of the advice you gave her in Charleston. And, and, and yeah, it just shows uh, the, the benefits. We talk about players who look unhappy and you wonder if they're happy with their coaching arrangement. That is a coaching arrangement where they are both in in a great rhythm together and they understand each other so well and the player knows what the coach can offer and the coach knows how to deal with the player and it works brilliantly. Yeah, probably the best bounding and, and uh, the, the best communication on court and best coaching I've ever heard on court was in Charleston. We, we mentioned that before. If uh-huh. any of you are listening and want to get some really good coaching, that was when she was playing as Wozniacki. And she lost that match, but the coaching, oof, that was, uh, that was all mental, uh, psychology, uh, and technique and tactic all mixed together in one uh, big, great, positive uh, energy and uh, that was really fantastic but uh, 
you know, then Martic, you know, up also in the second set, she was up and uh, three love and five two and lost seven five. So, you know, in all, you have to look at Martic, who did also have some great, uh, great matches on clay, and uh, I think that she's going to be only more ready to play on the on the grass as well. So watch out for Martic as well on the grass and in the hard courts. One or two players caught our eye as well elsewhere in the draw, not the least of which was Aliona Bolsova. What an amazing tournament she had from from nowhere. I know she's a, an outstanding college student, but she nearly walked away from the game of tennis. She wasn't sure that going pro was going to be right for her, and she was kind of talked into it. And my goodness me, we're pretty glad that she was. Yeah, I mean, very glad. I mean, she... I mean, it's it's amazing, you know. What? Where did you where did you find out that she? I didn't even know she went to college. Where'd she go? Yeah, she went to college, and uh, and she was uh, a tennis uh, graduate. And she she was one of those players where they said she had such natural ability, but she just wasn't sure that going professional was going to work for her. Um, and she decided at one point that she wasn't going to go professional. She was going to do other things. And then she kind of returned to it. She was taught back into it by um, people around her who said, you are an amazing player. You really, really, really should. And so she did. And the rest, as they say, is history. Yeah. I mean, coming from the qualies, I mean, that's that was three rounds, you know. Uh, you're talking about Bolslova right now, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I mean, three rounds of qualies. Think about it. Three rounds of qualies. And she lost in the fourth round. That's seven rounds, which is exactly the fourth round of the, the main draw against Anisimova, that was seven round, and that's what it takes normally uh, to win the tournament <laughs> wow. in a major. So, you know, you're looking at that result and you go, wow. First of all, I never, I didn't know who she was. I, I, I went and watched her against uh, Anisimova on court. Uh, she started well, it was very tight, and then, you know, eventually Anisimova just uh, pulled the plug on her. But, uh, yeah, very impressive and uh, a jump in the ranking. I don't think she's going to pick qualities very, very... <laughs> And ITF after that, because she was playing ITF in most tournaments. And uh, wow, what an effort. That's awesome. Yeah, Florida Atlantic University is where she was at college. Okay, all right. And she went unbeaten in the 2017-2018 season, Wow. which is incredible. It is incredible. So she was the number one. Yeah. But even given the way that collegiate tennis has produced some stunning players, especially recently, Danielle Collins, that, you know, yeah. is one. Uh, Christiane is another. I mean, the, the list is pretty endless. You look at that, she still wasn't sure that it was going to be enough. I love so, it. Yeah. Uh, but now, after the French, I'm pretty sure we're going to see and hear an awful lot more of her. And Marquetta Vondrasova, of course, and Ash Barty as well. Let's just talk a little about Vondrasova, who's... who's two weeks in Paris were just stunning. I mean, we, we know she has... The thing that really struck me about the final was the variety in both of their games. It was a joy to watch in so many ways. OK, Vondrasova maybe ran out of a little bit of steam and, and, and didn't quite bring it on the day. And Ash Barty continued to bring it as she has all, all year, to be honest. But two amazingly versatile and hugely talented players. It was a fantastic final to watch, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, I love the final, and you, you, you know, you said it all. The the diversity, the the variation of the strokes, the topspin, the slice, the drop shot. Uh, I think it was it was really exceptional. The volleys, you know, but uh, she did run out of steam. But also being on a stage where she's never been into, which is a final, and on a court, Philippe Chatrier on one of the biggest stage 
in tennis, uh, I think the advantage for Barty, who has done that in doubles, I say it again, how important it is for all the players to play doubles, because if anything, it makes you really feel a situation of uh, getting the adrenaline, getting the, uh, you know, the, the worry about the pressure of returning and volleying. And I think in all, the reason that Barty was so comfortable herself in the final, even though she was a bit nervous, of course, I mean, she dealt with it, yeah, but she dealt with it so well because of how much she was in that situation playing doubles in the past. And I think that is key to keep playing and to have those players, and all of them should be playing. Osaka should be playing some doubles much more than she's doing. Halep should be playing much more. Um, all these players, you know, I, I don't really care if they are or are not, you know, having a seven, you know, matches, uh, two weeks in a major play doubles. That's yeah. my take in that. Well, it gives you so many options, doesn't it? Especially with on clay in the old days, we used to talk about the fact, oh, you're going to have to be able to go 20-plus shots in a rally to win your points because clay, that surface demands that kind of physicality and, and stamina. But you see it increasingly in the men's and the women's game, the ability to, to get the first big strike in. And what also helps you even more is the ability to come in behind the net when you get the first strike in to put the volley away if a ball comes back that's, that's true. it seems so noticeable over the last two or three seasons and the fact that power now at Roland Garros on the clay for the men and women it, it is is and can be the route to success you've only got to look at Ostapenko a couple of years ago to see that yeah I mean if she can do it I mean that means that it's doable by any other mm. players with with the power that's why I think Osaka's a very good chance at some point to win it uh, mm. but uh, how about Ash Barty I mean oh. that was precious I mean the whole tournament I mean round by round the way that she was able to come through in this tournament and you know I love I talked to uh, Nicole Pratt who is the head and the of women's tennis in the, for Tennis Australia and the coach for the Australian team uh, of Fed Cup which by the way we will play against uh, Fed Cup the French next November in Australia for the final. And, well, uh, yeah, well, it's not going to get easy. <laughs> it's no. not getting easier. Let's put it this way with Ash Barty winning uh, our first major. But oh, she came through this tournament with, I mean, panache. I mean, the first round against uh, against Pegula was a two set, then beat uh, uh, Collins and two set Petkovic. Petkovic at the end of the match said to her you know you're going to win this tournament and that was a big laugh for Barty you could see it I mean it was so funny and uh, yeah. she ends up winning it I hope that she sent a little bottle of champagne towards uh, Petkovic way <laughs> <laughs> uh, the, the match against Kennan was really tough you know in the in the fourth round and then the quarters against Keys she just used the diversity and the variation of the spin the slice uh, Keys was pretty much tangled with all this different uh, pace, height, and spin. And the little kid, Anisimova, you know, she's going to grow into it, but uh, she was close. I think it was really the experience that got Barty through it. And then in the final, well, same thing, experience, plus she had a lot more gas in her tank than uh, the rest of the field. And I was so pleased because... She started to use a lot more slice. She started to use the kicks. She started to come forward. She she started to move well. And the funny thing is, in the press conference I went to after the final, she said she was excited because the goal with our team was to not fall on clay. And she said, <laughs> and I didn't I didn't fall once. 
And, uh, but then, in, you know, there was a, an interview with her before final, the semifinals where she was asked, hey, you know, do you now like the clay? And she goes, nah, not so much. And they say, well, you're in the semifinal quarters. That was in the semis, I think. Well, you're in the semifinals of a major here, and it's on clay. I mean, what is it going to take for you to like the clay? And she goes, well, winning a title, maybe. And they said, well, okay. So, wow. So in the press conference, I was there, and I said, so you said that. Now you won the title, and I used the Aussie accents, you know, which I'm not going to repeat because it was so bad because she made fun of me. But uh, I, I said to her, I said, so now do you love clay? Please tell us you love clay. Please. And she goes, that was the worst Aussie accent I've ever heard. I said, well, try the French accent, and maybe we can compare and have a, a little contest here. She didn't. <laughs> she was smart. But she said, well, I don't really love it still. And I said, really? Wow. <laughs> like, well, if you don't love it now, I'm not sure when you're going to love it. It's going to take you, what, 12, 12 titles to win? <laughs> anyway, so it was a fun uh, fun press conference. But she, um, the way that she answers questions, she's so mature and smart and poised. And she reflects on things in such a way that that is, you know, the way champion reflects, I think. Very impressive. <laughs> That strikes me about her as well is is she seems so composed and together and happy because she had that period in her career when she stepped away from tennis and went to play cricket at the Brisbane Heat and wasn't sure if the tennis life was for her. She'd found the tour a, a bit tough, all the travelling and being away from home and whatnot, and she wanted to take a break. And then she decided to come back to tennis, and when she returned from that point on, she just seems so happy. The team Miranda is... Uh, happy it's a happy team they're settled they're pulling for each other you just see a, a player who is able to produce and, and squeeze out every ounce of her ability which is uh, huge by the way and, and i think from this point on i mean looking ahead to Wimbledon which we won't do properly i know for a couple of weeks but she would be one of the names i would automatically put down there for the grass not just because she's won the french but because her game with that backhand slice her ability to come forward the forehand has some zip on it and and also to come to the net and finish off the volleys she's going to be hugely dangerous at Wimbledon this year yeah totally but different pressure that's one thing but the one thing we know is she can take the pressure better than anybody else I mean you know like you said she's very calm and you know the one thing that she keeps repeating and I love this is that she is so humble saying this is a team effort this is the reason I'm here is because of what all my team has done around me. She did, She never speaks as a I. She always say we. It is absolutely amazing to hear that. Um, and the other thing is, you know, she mentioned in that press conference that uh, a question was asked, do you think you would have been as good if you had not quit for two years? And she says, definitely not. Quitting was the best uh, measure and the best decision I made. And I would never be here today if I didn't if I didn't quit. So, I mean, fantastic win, and we could talk about this for hours. But uh, this is getting long already. I think people are going to go. Well, when is this over? Or they're going to get off and go and have a drink. <laughs> it's 27 minutes, but uh, we're going to go. I just want to talk about you know how great the the French Open, the improvement of the sites, the court. Simone Mathieu is one of the most beautiful setting. Uh, next year, there will be a roof, which, oh boy, do they need it after what we experienced mm, this year. Uh, so that would be uh, one one less uh, headache for them. 
I still think that the Hawkeye uh, should be used on clay, and if it is not used, then the next best thing in my mind is to do exactly the same process that they do on every surfaces, which is the challenge system, which means if a player thinks the ball was good but it was called out, she can ask or he can ask for a challenge. That would mean that at that point, the chair will come down, check the mark. If that mark is in favor of the player, then she doesn't or he doesn't lose a challenge. If it's against the player, then they lose a challenge. They have three of them, three times that they can get the chair umpire down. Okay. That's it. That's my point. I like it. I like it. It's it's come up a lot. I mean, a lot of the players have been uh, uh, complaining a little about what they saw as being really rough calls. Yeah. I remember Martin Fucevic on the ATP walked off the court. He had a rough call on yeah. um, a juice when he was serving to stay in the match. And he absolutely felt a ball was good and it, and, and, and it wasn't. And uh, he took a photo of it. He was really angry. Yeah. And uh, I think it's one of those situations where, you know, opinions are... Very, but I, I agree with you. I think they should yeah. have all kinds of what they don't yeah. know. I think at this point, if there is 70 to 80% of the players who say yes, I think that should be uh, that should be done. I don't know how. I don't know how, if it's possible, if it's not. But if not, next best thing, the three challenges each. Now, one negative thing I have to say about Roland Garros was a big controversy. Is the, the two women semifinal played on the outside court. I think that was absolutely outrageous. Uh, I think it's a scandal. I think it was there was the possibility of doing something about how to program uh, the men's, and I won't get into the details, but I think it's absolutely appalling. Uh, I think if the situation was opposite, the men would have never played and would have probably uh, said we're not playing unless we're on court Philippe Chatrier. I think the women should have done that. That would have been the way to protest and seek that they are not agreeing with the system. Uh, but they played and they finished the tournament. And that's very sad that uh, we are second citizen again. Yeah, it is a little frustrating. The players were reluctant to talk about it in in those terms. They didn't want to criticize the tournament. But it just it's not a good... The optics are not good, are they, when you see that? Well, it's just showing because that, once again, we are put in, in second place, you know, and it's not right. Mm. And it's their argument would be ticket sales, I suppose. I'm, I'm being devil's well, advocate no, they, here they because actually, it's kind of my job. Yeah, but but they, they would say, you know, it's ticket prices. We we charge different tickets for different things, which, again, you could get into the argument of that and say, well, you shouldn't. It should be the same ticket for everything and because you're saying, seeing the same kind of thing on all the courts. But um, it's, yeah, it but was disappointing, end, I agree. Yeah, but at the end, Sue, they refunded the tickets. So there was absolutely, they refunded tickets because of the rain, and the guys didn't finish. Djokovic didn't finish. I don't know if you remember the whole thing about the second semifinal. I mean, it, it was it was a mess. But they did refund the ticket that day. So that would have not changed anything. So, you know, I don't want to go in detail. I just still think that, bottom line, we are not to be put on different court. If it was happening in the other way around, that would have never happened. That's all I'm saying. And that I'm not happy about that. The other thing I'm not happy is I'm tired of this. So... I mean, I'm, I'm for gender equality. I am not trying to promote women only, but there's one thing that really annoys me is every time you go to a major on a website and you go to their website, their official website, and you click on draw, the first draw oh, that comes out... Oh, I know what you're going to yeah, say. I know exactly what you're going to say. The first draw that comes say. out is a men's draw. I'm like, yeah. why? I said, yeah, this why has been that? like this for 20 years. 
I think we should get 20 years women's draw, and then we should alternate every year. I mean, it's appalling. <laughs> yes. I mean, that's I'm a great sorry. idea. I don't get it. I don't get it. So anyway, here's my point. That's another on, different podcast. So yeah. if we could do that one for hours, couldn't we? <laughs> here's my point on gender equality. All right. So there is a, another thing I want to talk about is elsewhere. Uh, just read this on social media. Not sure if it's 100% sure and true because I'm reading it from players, but apparently. The 25K was played in Obidos, and the players have yet to be paid from the tournament. And they were saying on social media that that is absolutely unacceptable, which I, I agree. If that's true, that's that's crazy. And apparently it's an ITF event, so the ITF is directly concerned, and hopefully they can you know find a way to take care of this. But uh, other than that, Steffi Graf. Turn 50. Welcome to oh, welcome wow. to my club. <laughs> <laughs> that seems amazing. That just that stat on its own, Stephanie Graf turning 50 after everything she achieved achieved in the game. What a fantastic player she was. People that maybe don't were too young to remember her. It's so worth back uh, going back and looking at highlights of Stephanie Graf when she played because she was phenomenal. Yeah, phenomenal. Week at number one, she's still the leader. She was there 377 weeks. Martina comes second, 332, and Serena 319. So that's telling of, you know, we talk about the GOAT. And I think, uh, yes, Serena is definitely at top of the list or in the list. But I think the top three are definitely Steffi, Martina, Serena, and they can be in that arena. Um so interesting, and in 1988, by the way, uh, Steffi, she became the only player to win the Golden Slam, which is all four majors and the Olympic gold in the same year. No one has been able to do so. So, uh, big, uh, big. Did you play her, Soph? Did I, you play her when I, you played? I played her and I got my uh, little derriere kicked. <laughs> she <laughs> was 17. Did you play her on? No, she was 17, and I was uh, in the, I think it was in Freiburg, Germany, in the sunken center court. And I asked a player named, um, uh, she was from Spain, number one player in Spain at the time. And I said, do you know this girl, Graf? And she goes, yeah, that's the reason I quit tennis when she beat me two weeks ago. I'm like, okay, (laughs) that's not helpful. And uh, my mother was there, which my mom really doesn't really follow me and never followed me really on on the circuit. But she was there for some reason, so she's watching from above. And I am literally, we're looking at a woman going around the backhand to hit forehands, and that was unseen. That was like, what is she, why is she not hitting a backhand like everybody else? And um, so as I'm really getting my butt kicked, <laughs> my mother looked at me at one point. I looked at her. I'm like, what is going on? And she goes, don't worry. She's an alien. <laughs> she's from another planet. <laughs> and sure enough, she was from another planet, the planet of champion, I call it. And, um, wow, uh, just saying hi and happy birthday. Happy 50th. Yeah. Yeah. Happy birthday, Steffi Graf. Well, we've covered some ground today, haven't we, Soph? Well, we sure did. And uh, I think it might be time to say au revoir and that we are going to do the next podcast. Is going to be, where is it going to be? Um, well, well, you're going to be in America then and I'll be uh, getting ready to go down to Wimbledon. So I guess we'll, we'll, we'll put together a Wimbledon preview in yeah. the next couple of weeks and get it out there in time because at the moment we can't talk about much grass court tennis because there hasn't been much because of the rain it's been brutal the weather so in a couple of weeks time on the eve of Wimbledon we'll get something out there and we'll talk about all the runners and riders for Wimbledon and uh, we'll be able to talk about what grass court tennis there has yeah. been between now and then sounds great okay well look enjoy Greece is it really hot there 
Uh, it's not that hot. It's actually beautiful and uh, enjoying really uh, the place where I'm staying. It's beautiful and uh, enjoying really the rest. I'll bet. Well, look, so it's been fab as always. Put your feet up, have a rest, and we'll talk in a couple of weeks when we'll bring you the latest Tennis Talk podcast. But from me, Sue Thurl, and from you... Sophie Amiak. It's goodbye for now. Bye-bye. Au revoir.